this podcast John Pasby from Centerfield talks about shaping tomorrow's digital marketing with today's data so stay tuned Welcome everyone to Future of Data podcast today we have with us John Pasby and um, he serves as Centerfield's chief analytics officer a seasoned digital marketing executive john leads the company's data science analytics and insights team prior to joining centerfield john has uh, held was head of analytics for amazon's grocery delivery service and responsible for business intelligence data science and automated reporting prior to amazon john was senior vice president uh, of analytics and marketing at merchex John began his career in product management for Infosphere in Infospace GoToNet IQ Chart. He holds Bachelor of Science from Northwestern University. Outside of work, John coaches youth hockey and enjoys sports, poker and hanging out with his wife and two kids. With that, John, welcome to the podcast. Thanks Vishal, thanks for thanks for having me and I appreciate the introduction. Yeah, interesting. So why don't you walk us through your journey i think what i found fascinating about about your your profile is uh definitely had you did some work with marketing went into sort of a, a, a world's largest retailer and then in in your journey today so if you can walk us through what brought you to analytics yeah um i i've thought about that recently and actually i think what what brought me to analytics um really started out super early um in my career and maybe even before my career started um in high school and college i participated in an activity called um policy debate and policy mm-hmm. debate is this um is this research driven competition mm-hmm. where um two sides an affirmative and a negative debate on a topic you know the topic might be should we have you know stricter gun laws or should we have stricter environmental policies those those sorts of things and um and you debate the merits of a specific example of um of that question and so uh, i think what i what i learned from that is um is how to research and how to think through complex problems but then more importantly for a business context um learning how to present that data present that research to a judge who would ultimately decide whether or not my team won or the other team won. Mm. And so um I remember sort of thinking in in high school and college like like I like if I could do this um when I grew up like that's that's kind of what I'm shooting for. And many of my colleagues um in debate decided to pursue a career in law because mm. I think in law you can you can do a lot of that stuff and I I felt like I wanted to pursue a career in um in business. So it really it really started started from that. Um and then my first uh my first job out of college was at a startup and there were just there were just four of us and the startup was um was a subscription-based product serving individual investors. And it was individual investors that um uh that trade that traded stocks. This was like a technical mm-hmm stock charting application and i i thought to myself wow these we're serving people who look at math and look at data and look at stock charting patterns and they use that to make a living wow that's that's really that's really cool and um and i didn't do that myself i didn't use the product mm. but um but i found that really really fascinating so i think even like in the early seeds of my um of my life and my career I was thinking about how data and analysis you could sort of make money by thinking through those things. That's really how my how my journey started, I would say. Interesting. And and what do you do uh uh in Centerfield? First, what is Centerfield if you can if you can walk us through our our listeners and viewers. Yeah, so um so Centerfield's a a B2B company. We have um nearly 1000 employees and we serve our clients or companies in the in the telecom and media space. So you can think of like a wireless company or um or a cable company and we do um what I what I would call end to end customer acquisition. Um so that so what that means is we do marketing on behalf of our clients and then we don't pass the lead or the phone call directly to the client. We um we actually 
close the business ourselves. So either on the phone, we operate um, large call centers or through uh, an online um, kind of like landing page and, and buy flow. And uh, we're just, we're super efficient at that. And so that's why our, our customers love us. And our efficiency is really driven from, from two areas. One area is we've, we've hired great people who understand marketing and understand how to run a call center. Um, but the second way that we drive efficiency is through, um, is through data and understanding our data. So we connect customers all the way through from um, initially interacting with uh, an advertisement all the way through to a sale by understanding all of those touch points and what makes a customer excited to buy. Uh, we're just, we're really good at that. Interesting. And what is your role uh, in center field? Like what's your day-to-day -day look like? Yeah. So um, like you mentioned my title, chief analytics officer, I'm responsible for, um, for analytics insights and data science. So uh, my team's really trying to uncover new business opportunities for us by um, diving deep into our data. And then we're also developing, um, developing applications or models um, uh, it, it, that we can actually use in practice to improve our business. And then I'd say um, the final thing that I think about is developing new KPIs or metrics upon oh. which we should, we should um, measure our business. Interesting. And um, I think one thing that I found exciting about, about, about your background is so, and, and currently in Centerfield's line of business, so you serve telco and media. And I think if, if, yeah. if you look at, if you look at, um, um, say marketing or, or creating an end-to-end -end solution. Both of these companies see customers coming in from all different angles. They could be on call, they could be on a website, they could be on mobile app, right. they could be. So when you're designing um, or you're creating an analytics or data science practice for something like that, where where customer could be checking you out from any platform out there, like how do you go up? How about, uh, how do you go about designing a system that actually serves a wide array of channels where customer could come and and sort of create a data driven approach in in recommending? Yeah, um, I I think it it can be it can be sometimes hard to predict exactly how a customer wants to wants to interact with your with your business, hmm. um, and I think I think one of the one of the mistakes that companies have made historically when um, when let's say focusing on digital marketing is only giving the customer the option to sign up online. When in certain cases, the customer might actually want to make a phone call or might want to come into a store uh, or might want to chat with someone. Mm. And so I think what the best companies are doing are, um, are giving customers every option. And then based on, on how customers are interacting, with that site or with that experience, emphasizing the things that the customer that most customers want to do, um, and then in order to make a business like ours work, or really to make any any marketing campaign work, is these days, is you need to measure every mm. every interaction. So um, the the web stuff's e easier because we have uh, we have cookies, but um, but when it comes to a phone call or a chat or an in store visit like those are the things that are that are trickier to track and um but if if customers can can do it either in a deterministic way or or they can they can sort of predict that and they do do it a, a really good job um they can be very very successful interesting and and can you uh, walk us through your experience dealing with amazon's grocery division like what was uh, analytics there look like? like what what we can learn from that yeah. Um, so the first thing that I would say is that um, Amazon is a is a super data driven and quantitative mm. culture, mm. and so um, having a having a data job or an analytics job at at Amazon is awesome because mm. you're you're talking to people who want to make decisions <laughs> based on based on what you find. And the grocery division was um, was a really cool vision division to be a part of. Um, because uh, like grocery purchases mm -hmm. are the, or let, let me actually take a step back. Um, 
consumers spend more on groceries and food mm. than like everything else that Amazon or Walmart sells like put together. Mm. I guess Walmart sells groceries, but I mean, just mean they're non, they're non-grocery business. And, and um, it's also this, so it's like the biggest category we have in the world. And it's also the category um, that, that customers buy online the least. And so it's in this really cool space where, um, where we're trying to understand how customers want to buy groceries and how they want groceries delivered. Um, that, so that part was really cool. And I think what we were trying to understand were questions like customer lifetime value, um, uh, customer repeat behavior, um, and then all, all the types of things associated with retail, like, um, like price, inventory, that sort of thing. Interesting. And what does a typical um, uh, data science practice looks like? So uh, uh, in your current uh, role, how do you create a data science practice for, say, in marketing agencies serving these clients? Like, what, are what is a typical team structure and how do you sort of, if you can walk us through that? We'll resume after a short break. This part of the podcast is brought to you by First Friday Fair, fastest AI-powered way to find your next opportunity. Check out the website firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job. Let's get back to the podcast. Yeah, there there are um, there are tons of different uh, different team structures just in general, like um, like like Amazon, for instance, has some has some central teams they have some teams in engineering they have teams like mine which were insights teams more embedded in um uh under business leaders and I, I i don't think there's there's a single way of organizing a data science team that's um that's the right way i think that that the roles that i get really excited about are um are in insights driven hmm. meaning we sort of we we have to figure out um, how our customers behave or how the system behaves um, or how how X behaves. There's this thing that we don't understand about our customers. Let's use data to figure that out. And then once we've figured that out, let's let's um, let's uh, develop a model or develop software or develop a system to take advantage of what we've learned to help drive more revenue. And um, and maybe to get back to your question about how data science teams are are organized. Um, I like to have a sort of a mix of skill sets hmm. and those skill sets um, include analysts who are typically great at descriptive analysis, um, data scientists who are typically great at statistical analysis, hmm. and then someone that you might call like a business intelligence engineer or a data engineer, people that are great at, at um, data engineering and then also automated reporting. I, I really like and favor teams that have all those skill sets because i think you can you can do anything anything um with your organization when you have those skill sets and those don't necessarily have to be four different people um, or four different groups of people you just need to make sure you have all those all of those skill sets and i i found that a single title um doesn't doesn't tend to, to solve for all of those things interesting and i think and, and you you talked about um creating an insights driven organization. So when yeah. you talk about that, I think it, it presumes some certain kind of maturity when it comes to handling data and getting some analytics right. done and all that, right? So when you join a company, um, how do you ensure um, that we are ready for an insights driven organization? Like how do you, how do you sort of, what are, what are some of the steps you can walk us through that, that we as a leader could sort of learn from you to ensure that uh, we're getting there. Yeah, um, that that's tough. Like if if um, if you're if you're on the job market, let's say, and you're you're trying to determine whether um, whether a company is sort of ready for data science and and insights, um, I think it's I think it's asking the business and technical stakeholders that you're interviewing with like to give you a lot of details about the data that they have <laughs> and um, and the KPIs that they use um, and uh, and sort of their their the questions that are unanswered and the ones they need solving and if if um, if 
you are given really good answers to those things, then I would say they're they're ready for you. And that that may be that may be vague, but um, but I I think that in my in my experiences, if I was to evaluate a job opportunity or what I did with Centerfield or or Amazon, it was mm-hmm. it was um as much as they were interviewing me, I was interviewing them to make sure mm-hmm. that um that they were sort of uh they're sort of ready and receptive to to insights. And and fortunately for me, I've been lucky to work with great companies that are. Interesting. And um in from your definition, like what what um uh, makes an analyst or data scientist uh, successful today in today's time like what who would you call as a a good talent uh, in data in, in data science space yeah um i think that great great data scientists and great analysts um first and foremost are good at talking to business stakeholders mm. so um so maybe that's maybe not that's not the answer that you are expecting, but um, but so so much of uh, of the big data science problems are actually getting a project launched that makes a big impact on the business is in the discovery process. Hmm. Like, what are we trying to solve for? What data do we have? Um, what data is sort of what data is messy? Um, and uh, and you know, do I understand how all the data is calculated, um, and and really connecting with a business stakeholder that's like your sponsor for the project? I mean, even even if you're reporting up through, let's say, a data analytics leader, it's it's um it's making sure that that anyone that joins the team is comfortable talking with that sponsor. So that's mm. that's one. Uh, the, the second thing I would say is um, is sort of creativity and and passion for solving problems. Um, that I that I think is is a super important um, important trait. And like when I'm looking for someone to hire, I need to be able to have a great conversation with them and get really deep on a problem right away. Uh, that that tells me that that individual um, can talk to business stakeholders and sort of think on the fly about um, problems with others, which I think is really, is really important. And there are tons of other, tons of other qualities that make up great data scientists, but those are just two that come to mind for me. Interesting. And, and if um, with, with your chief analytics officer hat of, for, for a company like uh, Centerfield, dealing with say telco clients. And, and if, I think one, one, one interesting thing that I find with, um, a system like company like yours is so when i talk to any um my data science co- colleagues at, at at an enterprise who are dealing with customers directly so i always hear about the the concern that hey data cannot tell us all, all the time some of the non captured details which are critical for a decision making like so if i if i if i bought a phone showing it to my friends and then capturing their fa- their facial responses right? and then then using that cue to figuring out whether I want that phone or not um, and they always sort of talk about that hey every product has their own nuances that are not that we don't, we don't capture properly now when you look at something like center field where sort of you are empowering someone else's ecosystem how difficult right. of a challenge it is that you feel as as, as, as an um, analytics officer that not understanding the product or deep enough of or actually not going into the the mindset of the designer would pose a challenge in 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 correctly identifying the customer behavior or or, or is or, or am i even saying things correctly here no i i think i i think i understand where you're going with um with the question and it's super important to um to us at centerfield to have a deep understanding of the products that we're selling. Like, let's imagine that we're selling a wireless, um, a wireless phone, um, or the new iPhone comes out, and one of our clients sells that, sells that iPhone. We, we and and let's say that a customer is actually calling us as opposed to signing up online. There's a really significant amount of product training um, that 
that we do to make sure that we understand understand the products that we're selling in and out. Like that's a super important part of any marketing business and also connecting with your clients um, to understand what their goals and objectives are. And I think it is, um, as an analytics officer, I think my role is to collect as much data as I possibly can, which we can either use to, um, we can either use to maximize our clients' objectives or actually give that data back to the customers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we do some really interesting things at, at Centerfield collecting um, data that customers give us about what they're interested in. Um, and we use that to actually make future decisions about how we sell on behalf of clients. And, um, and that, that's really where I, where I think an analytics or, or data science officer or team can, can come in handy. And, and that goes back to an insights-driven culture mm. where, um, where we're just constantly asking us, what, what can we learn? What can we learn? And providing that information back to um, the business team or directly to the client. We'll resume after a short break. This part of the podcast is brought to you by First Friday Fair, fastest AI-powered way to find your next opportunity. Check out the website, firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job. Let's get back to the podcast. Interesting. And, and uh, another fascinating trend that, uh, that we hear a lot from, from sort of our end on, on, the, on the data spectrum is uh, this emergence of artificial AI. In, in business processes and in, in helping understanding customer behavior better and and right. sort of in sort of relieving pressure on say all the high uh, high end touch points whether it whether it's a customer uh, call center whether it's what are some of the things that you are seeing like what from your vantage point what is ai looks like uh, in your field like how is ai disrupting the way you understand a customer and sort of you deliver or serve them like what What's your take on that? Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you asked that. A lot of the, um, and maybe I can just sort of, just sort of step back for a second and look at look at a lot of how the media covers AI or thinks about AI, mm-hmm. and it's like AI is like this battle of of humans versus robots, and um, and AI is just going to mean that humans don't have jobs and robots have all the jobs and, and all and all all of all of that stuff. Um, I think in a lot of the the applications where um, where I've seen AI work, or I've invested in in AI either at Amazon or at Centerfield, it's it's about um, it's about using data, using machine learning to improve the productivity of um, of your workforce, mm. and um, and actually make um, make our colleagues jobs better and more and more satisfying um this for for example we're trying to um we're trying to understand how to acquire and retain the best call center agent um Mm. call center agents we possibly can and we also believe that the that the happier that our our colleagues and employees at the call center are uh, the more likely they are to stay with us, the more likely they are to, to be productive, and the more likely they are to um, drive more sales and make more money for themselves. We mm-hmm. see this sort of virtuous cycle, and so a lot of what we are we are in, investing in is um, is how to improve um, agent or employee satisfaction. In, in addition to that, um, in the call center space. Like uh, like AI can be used to improve all of these um, a- outdated ways of of organizing or operating. Mm. For example, let's say that you call an airline, um, or, or you really call any any company, and you're the um, you're sort of the fifth person in line. Mm. You're the, you're the, sort of the fifth person on hold. Well, generally speaking, um, you're going to be answered fifth. Uh, well, maybe um, you're a special customer in some way. Or we know something about you that it's really important that we answer your your call first. That that's really interesting. And then, in addition to that, um, let's imagine that there's a certain type of agent that you'd be you'd really connect with, 
or that's really good at selling the type of product that we predict you're going to buy. Um, and uh, let's also uh, imagine that we're really good at predicting when these calls or, or when this traffic is going to come in. We make sure that as a, as a call center agent, you're not, um, uh, you're, you're not sitting at work, at work idle. Um, cause you can't make any money if you're not answering the phone. So we, we make sure that you're always on the phone. So, so, um, we're, we're taking these, um, sort of old, sort of old school businesses and, um, and really revolutionizing them. And whether it's the, the Amazon warehouse or a call center or, or, um, or really any place where a lot of folks, a lot of folks work, I think AI has a ton of potential to do a lot of good. Interesting. And, and Right now, I think another thing that I hear a lot from from at least the retailers of the world is um, the changing habits of consumers, right? So, and the changing uh, the platform of choice for consumers. Now it's Facebook. At some point, it was something else. Now they are also moving into uh, Snapchat, and 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 so and so forth. How bigger of a challenge is that for uh, say a, a platform like yours, where you have like all these channels um, and each with varying level of relevance for a, for a, for a, for a, for a, for a, a particular product. Like what are some of the, some of the, some of the opportunities or challenges that you see uh, in sort of in capturing all those consumers across all these channels? Um, so, so you're, you're asking about making sense of, of customer behavior across yeah. platforms. Yeah. Is that, is that the, the nature nature of the question um it's it's a hard one because you can't always you you don't you don't always know that um that i'm the same person who went to the store and made a call and was on the web you you can't always the same person i think uh a lot of how we develop develop insights at centerfield or or at amazon was through um was through experimentation so we try to set up we try to set up an experiment where we subtly um, uh, sort of shift consumer behavior in some way, and then we then we learn by looking at our our end result KPIs or sales. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's too vague or not, but that's sort mm-hmm. of where my head goes when you when you ask that question. Interesting. And and from from your vantage point, if 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 you see um, other customers uh, dealing with custom their customers or their b2b end-to-end interactions like what are some of the things that you think or you have seen custom other folks doing it wrong or or not getting it when it comes to understanding um, the end-to-end consumer behavior to capturing and, and sort of upselling and selling more leads like what are some of the things that people that businesses miss out on yeah uh i would say that where businesses are are missing out is um is in, in failing to agree on on the the, the KPIs that truly mm-hmm. truly drive drive our business. For um, for example, like let let's say that there's there's some there's some innovation mm-hmm. that an operations team makes. I'm talking about like a retail example mm-hmm. um, to sort of reduce the cost of packaging and reducing that cost of, of packaging uh, saves a little money, mm. which can be passed on to the consumer in some way. So mm. you, you say to yourself, maybe there's some consumer benefit to this mm. and there's also some operational benefit for the company. But um, it's possible that this, this, um, this packaging introduces a higher level of defects in some way. The mm-hmm. packaging can break down, um, and it might be really hard to measure the downstream impact of that of that um, of that change mm-hmm. because you've reduced costs, which you can pass along to the customer as savings, but you've broken customer trust. Um, with a higher defect rate, and some of those customers may no longer want to use your service. Hmm. These are these are the types of dilemmas I see in every line of business, and it all co- it, it should all come back to 
um, what's the ultimate K KPI driving your business? Um, is it uh, is it contra is it today's contribution profit? Mm -hmm. Is it in increasing? Is it maximizing lifetime value? Is it maximizing um, uh, subscription costs? If and, and where analytics and data science teams can really help here is by um, by quantifying or proving mm. why uh, the the ultimate or as I call them the golden KPIs, mm. and then every change you make at a business comes back to how did it influence the golden KPIs. We'll resume after a short break. This part of the podcast is brought to you by First Friday Fair fastest AI-powered way to find your next opportunity. Check out the website firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job. Let's get back to the podcast. Interesting. And and, and how important is um, for you to re-audit uh, or audit those KPIs? I think uh, that's another thing that, that, that we hear a lot, at least more often than we, we want to in, in transformative time is how rapidly the market is changing. Uh, how 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 rapidly behavior is changing? How rapidly sort of platforms are and and their expectation from consumer is changing? So when you when you consider that, how important is is it for you to re-audit or recalibrate your KPIs? Um, I'm I'm constantly thinking I'm constantly thinking about KPIs and um and I think it's really important for business leaders to to revisit KPIs um, at least yearly, mm. and uh, and I know that that um, as as I've established new insights or new research or new data science groups, um, one of the fundamental things I recognize that the business needs to resolve is which is the most important KPI because there are always these KPIs. These are there are always these submetrics that are at odds at odds with with each other. Um, operational cost versus lifetime value, um, marketing cost versus lifetime value. All, all of those, all of those things, they're difficult. They're difficult to measure um, just with your typical Excel spreadsheet. Um, you need you need some real uh, analytics muscle to to prove those out. But once that's done, it can be super impactful to the business because it makes every conversation about whether something is a good idea or a bad idea much easier. Interesting. And and if I am um, say an executive for um, say a, a, a small company and I'm trying to establish this uh, this insight driven organization, mm -hmm. what would you suggest that uh, what how would I go about it? Like what what would be the start of uh, to getting that done? Like what would I what would be your say first five step be? If you if you face an organization where sort of you want to actually ensure that it's an insight driven organization, yeah, um, well, it's almost like like uh, thinking about a ten step process or something like that. <laughs> um, so, so the first um, the first the first thing that needs to be done, I would say, before you even hire your data science leader, before your data science leader does anything, is to real is to really come to grips with the areas of the business that you don't understand mm. and the biggest areas of, of opportunity. And, um, and then, and like, like, let's say it's a big opportunity, it's a big opportunity to, to understand customer satisfaction and what drives customer lifetime value. Um, that's, that's great because that can focus your data science leader or data science team. And, um, and if I was, let, let's say I was hired to figure that out, mm -hmm. um, and I was thinking about building the team, I think I, I would actually probably uh, start by hiring um, someone who's a really exceptional analyst. Um, mm -hmm. And they, they may also be a data scientist too. I'm just mm -hmm. saying that, mm -hmm. that someone who's exceptional at, um, at polling data, cleaning data, um, and and very very quickly developing insights about that data, and is very comfortable writing and presenting research points, um, research papers or powerpoints mm. um, about those about those insights. 
And what those insights do is they define the projects that your ultimate data science team will need to execute against or the areas of opportunity. So, um, and you can do that with a really nimble team. I think, I think uh, you know, just a handful of analysts or just a single analyst in some cases can produce tons of insights about an organization. And those things all drive the problem spaces where your data science or AI or machine learning projects will, will, um, will be derived from. Interesting. And, and, and what would be, um, what would you advise to a young um, or wannabe chief analytics officer to do to prepare for this job? Like what, what, what all, what all needs to, what all gets in to create a successful chief analytics officer? Um, well, I think, I think uh, at the, for a chief, a chief analytics officer or really any, any senior leader um, needs to be able to communicate complex data problems or opportunities simply to business operations leaders. Mm. Uh, it's super natural for um, an analytics team to discuss the value of experimentation or discuss some very simple statistical concepts which might be used on, on a testing platform. Mm. Um, but those those concepts are often very foreign to business leaders um, and uh, or, or something like um, you know, even explaining that you know you're not going to make a hundred thousand dollars from this it there's a there's a 85 percent chance you're going to make a hundred thousand dollars on this <laughs> like even even things like that um, yeah. can be can be problematic for business folks to understand and so um, I would say get in as many repetitions as possible mm. to um, to talk with with business stakeholders. I would also say um, uh, try to get your hands dirty in all of the different in all of the different um, types of of work that's done in a bigger analytics organization. So descriptive analysis, statistical analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, automated reporting, data engineering, having exposure to all of these things, even if you don't end up doing all of them or you're not an expert in all of them, you understand how those things work. Um, that's that's really important part of being um, of being a data science or analytics leader. Interesting. And, and another um, sort of thing that we hear a lot from from folks um, is their paranoia about bias, right? And and, yeah. and, and sort of when they're um, yeah. Uh, sort of, we hope that they wouldn't be trapped by it. Like, what are some of the things yeah. you would suggest um, that has helped you stay at least as much bias-free as as as, as you can? Um, I uh, keep yourself honest by running experiments. I mean, mm-hmm. we're we're going through something very very similar. Or Kind of that. What I, I was smiling when you asked that question because because um, there's a there's a there's a certain thing that I want done um, in my current current job because I believe it's going to work. Um, but uh, uh, but I what I really need to do is set up an experiment to prove that it's going to work because mm-hmm. um, because I, I I'm despite all my best intentions and, and logic and, and all this stuff, um, I can't convince others yet. And so it's, uh, I think, and, and, that, and that's actually, a, um, it's a great way to hold everybody honest and accountable at work and setting up great experiments. So mm. that's my answer. Interesting. And, and, and what are some of, some of the fabric of your good best hires? Like what are some of, the qualities that you cherish, or at least you appreciate, yeah. um, in in your hiring process. Yeah. Um, well, I'm really fortunate. I love the people that I work with today um, at Centerfield. They're awesome, and I had a great team at Amazon as well. I think um, I think a couple things that I would say. One is uh, like a really a really high level of curiosity and just mm-hmm. loving loving to solve problems. Like, um, like if you're, if you're trying to do something like, like optimizing workforce and, or, um, or, you know, improving call center efficiency, like, like those as a concept, those problems Mm. might not be interesting, but, but, 
just making something more efficient with data, like just that being your passion and being really curious about how everything interrelates. Um, like the like the best people, the best people do that. Um, and I I really look for that and and treasure that because those people are going to be highly productive and they also um, they love what they do so they can be future leaders. I'd say the other thing is um, that is unique about about our role, and I guess you could say this about engineering as well, but I think I feel like analytics is a little bit closer to the business in in many cases or data sciences is um is you love working alone and you love working with others hmm. like um like I, I i love it when i i spend a day interacting with my um with my colleagues at centerfield about business problems and then i also love it when i get to spend two hours just looking through a bunch of data and um and trying to make sense of it and um and i i think uh i think that um that if you only like sort of doing the work by yourself Mm. um i think you can still be successful as a data scientist but you're sort of capped out Mm. as um as as high sort of as how high you can go because um, you're really going to get the most bang for your buck out of your career when you like really, really treasure working with others too. Interesting. And 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 from your from your vantage point about um, this digital marketing landscape, like what are some of the some of the big opportunities available today that that you think are not yet ex- been sort of exploited yet? Like what what do you think are some of the big areas where if I'm if I'm an entrepreneur and I'm trying to get into the, the, like these space are ripe for for me to indulge in. Yeah, um, I was really excited to join Centerfield because Centerfield is all about this end to end customer acquisition concept. Mm. I think um, I think a lot of a lot of marketing is siloed, and I don't mean siloed like is it TV advertising or is it digital advertising. I I more mean like how are you evaluating the effectiveness of TV advertising? Are you are you you're getting a lot of people to view the ad? Are you getting a certain type of person to view the ad? Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, and, and that's just sort of one one part of it. How do you know these people are actually buying and what are they buying and how are they buying it? How is it impacting the entire customer lifecycle? Like that's that's really the part that marketing hasn't figured out yet or if you can find out little slices of this, it can transform. Um, it can sort of transform your uh, your marketing effectiveness. I I kind of this this reminds me of an anecdote um, of a previous company I worked at, uh, Marchex, where um, Marchex is a call measurement company. It helps companies who um, who drive phone calls from marketing and. Uh, and like where the calls came from and that that's that sort of thing. And one of the things we we found out when working with a hotel company is that um, is that people who were who were calling a hotel instead of signing up online, like a lot of them were asking about like the view out of the hotel room and like the proximity and what was around the hotel mm-hmm. and um, and other things like the fitness center. And what what's interesting about that is you can use that data to to um to inform your future marketing creative mm. so your future marketing creative um you know instead of showing the lobby it can show the fitness center or it can show the view of the eiffel tower like um because that's why someone wants to choose your hotel so it's it's all these like end-to-end touch points which i think are the future of of marketing and data and are really impactful Interesting. And and what would you say is the future of um, digital marketing? Like from your vantage point, what should we expect to see maybe in five years or 10 years from now on that that we are not really seeing nowadays? For, for data-driven marketing, you're saying? Yeah, I, I think it's about um, it's about connecting online, online to offline. Like the mm-hmm. first generation of um, and maybe the first 20 years of digital marketing has been around how can we how can we get really good at getting someone to sign up online, um, and that's been great because digital marketing's grown a ton. But the the fact is that um, offline 
offline commerce, either in store or over the phone, is still like eighty percent or eighty five percent of the dollars that we dollars that we spend. And so, yet we're researching everything online. Mm. So, um, so it's on. I think the future of marketing is in, in the next five years, the, the winners are going to be really good at understanding how online impacts offline and offline impacts online. Interesting. Interesting. Now, now let's spend some time um, on, on your journey. Like in, sure. if, if um, in your journey, if you want to attribute your success to some qualities that has helped you stay what you are, like what would you attribute those? Like what are some of the those qualities that you attribute a success to? Like what, what should we learn from some qualities that has really helped you be what you are today? Um, well, I think, I think one thing is that, that I would advise everyone is, is be honest with yourself about what you really love to do. Like mm-hmm. I, like I mentioned, um, you know, really early in my, in my journey and in, in debater in my first job, like having mm-hmm. these insights, about myself, about what really, really made me happy at work and um, and trying to pursue those things. And so if you're in a data science um, or analytics position, um, just ask yourself if you really if you really, really love doing it. The first part of my career was in was in product management. There's a ton that I liked about product management. But once I shifted to to analytics, it was like, it was like, wow, this is, you know, this is everything, everything I've, I've ever wanted. So that's, that's number one. Um, and then I would say as, a, um, as you start to become a leader, because eventually if you're, if you're, um, if you show promise as an analyst or a data scientist, you're going to have the opportunity to, to mentor or manage people is mm-hmm. to constantly ask yourself, um, how can I make my team more productive and how can I, I make my team happy? Because um, as you shift to a leader, it's what your team does um, that creates success for for your organization and for you. And so being totally and utterly focused on having a happy and productive team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's something that I think about a lot. Um, in terms of in terms of things that are like my like my habits, if if you will, um, I, I try to have like daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly goals. Um, because, because in, in, uh, you know, if you're always thinking about what you can achieve in a year, you might not be successful today. And Mm -hmm. and the flip side is also true. You can find yourself, you know, spending months or, 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 or years even doing day to day stuff and not looking at the bigger picture for what you want to accomplish. And so I have, um, I have daily and weekly goals that I look at every day. And then I have monthly and yearly goals that I think about less less frequently, but I make I really pay attention to look at those, and it helps mm. keep me honest and course correct on on what I want to do. Um, and the last thing that comes to mind is um, is at work centering everything based on based on KPIs. Mm. Like um, like if we have a if it, just a simple a simple thing if you have a KPI around revenue and like that's the only thing that you that you really drive around is every decision that you make um, should should be you know do I think do I think that this investment in my time is going to contribute to that KPI or could I better use it elsewhere and it's it's kind of a focus a focus thing. Interesting and and the, one other thing we ask all of our guests to share is some of their favorite read or reads that 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 sort of. Um, that they like reading and that, that they could recommend to our listeners and viewers. Like, do you have any, any such read to share? Yeah. Um, I, I really like reading books on poker strategy. Um, I, you mentioned in my interview that I, you know, I, I have a few hobbies. I coach youth hockey, uh, um, yeah. that sort of thing. But I also, I also really love poker. Um, and I think a lot awesome. of, analysts and and data folks like poker because it's this game mm. where um where you're rooted in math and stats you have imperfect information um and you have you have to rely on intuition sometimes and that's kind of like how life is and how <laughs> business is and so i'm, I'm really fascinated in, about that so um if you're interested in learning the game or even if you already know the game um and you're kind of interested in poker strategy i'd i'd recommend reading the books by jonathan little 
Interesting. And what's the name of the book? What are what are the names? I think I think his I think the books are like Secrets of Tournament Poker, and yeah. they're they're sort of marketing y titles. Yeah. Um, but they're they're really great introductions to the game and sort of what makes you successful and what to think about. And um, and you know whether whether they're traits like um, you know uh, uh, aggressiveness or mm. um, or game selection or bankroll or sort of all the things that make make one successful in that game, you can apply to business in really interesting ways. Interesting. And thank you for sharing that, by the way. So now we are the last but not the least question uh, for this for the interview. So if we if we if you want something that our listeners and viewers could take away from the conversation like what would that be what would be your closing remark for our listeners and viewers um well first of all uh, i appreciate anyone who has who has spent the last hour with us um <laughs> if, if only i could get my children to pay this much attention <laughs> that would that would be great and thanks for having me i really i really loved our conversation um i I don't know. I, I think maybe I just go back to what I was saying earlier. Um, and that's, uh, that's put yourself in a position to, um, to be doing more of what you love at work. And, um, because if you're doing more of what you love at work, you're going to be happier and you're also going to be more productive. And when you're, when you're happier and more productive, you're going to get everything you want from your career. So that's what I would say. Interesting. With that, um, thank you so much, John, for, Again, uh, sp uh, spending a generous amount of time with us, uh, candidly explaining and, and, and walking us through the world of uh, digital marketing. And thank you so much on that. And you're always welcome back on the podcast and love to have you back in the future to share your journey. And thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Vishal. I really enjoyed it. Awesome. I was sick of home, but actually I was homesick Never really knew that I would have to grow up so quick I'm so uncomfortable, don't know anybody here Just a couple dudes that I met once, that's it, that's it. And I go into the booth feeling nervous Got butterflies in my stomach like I'm so worthless Is the mic on? I don't know how to work this Inside I'm breaking down, I hope I'm not up on a certain